Good morning. Please turn to the shortest chapter in your Bibles. It's right in the middle. Psalm 117. Spurgeon said, it kind of contains the whole message of the Bible, this shortest chapter. Psalm 117. It's in your bulletin, and also uh, there are a few Bibles there. Please stand, those who are able, for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations, His steadfast love, Him, all peoples, for great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help your beauty, your greatness. Show us your love, your faithfulness. Show us the call to worship you from this text, we pray. Bless our time. Holy Spirit, help me, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. My son came home from baseball practice in Japan. I've told a few of you this story before. And he was in sixth grade and he said, Dad, it's really weird at baseball practice. The coach makes us bow down and worship the ground. He said, you know, first we all bow to the coach. We all line up and bow to the coach. That's like a handshake in Japan. It's not worship. But then we all turn to the ground, and bow to the ground. Dad, it's really weird. It's like we're worshiping the ground. I called a Japanese pastor who had been a Buddhist priest before he became a Christian. And he said, yes, <laughs> you know, pan- pantheism, everything is God. Mount Fuji is a God. Ancestors are God. Eight million gods in Japan. You know, not really, but they think there are. And, and, and your son can't do that. They're worshiping the ground, giving thanks for the ground to play baseball on. and So we were reading uh, the book of Daniel and family worship. We jumped ahead to, uh, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And did they bow down? Did they bow down? You guys? Did they? Sent them back to baseball practice. And, and uh, you can't on our team. I finally have friends. You know, I'm, this is really hard to be different. You know, what did you do? He said, well... You know, when it came time to bow to the coach, we all bowed to the coach. You know, that's like a handshake. That's okay. And then, then when I bowed to the ground, I flipped my baseball cap off. It fell to the ground, and I bent over and picked it up, you know. <laughs> and I said, uh, no, Danny, what do you think? Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did they, you know, uh, okay, guys, when the, uh, when the trumpets blow, we'll throw our Babylonian coins down in the dirt and... You know, when the trumpet blows, we'll get down and pick them up. No, they didn't do that. I hope I can, you'll arrange for me to go to all the Sunday school classes and tell the kids the rest of that story sometime and how God used it to become a witness to the whole baseball team. But yeah, this chapter is about worship, isn't it? This is a call for us as the PowerPoint slide says, for all the people groups of the world, for us and all the people groups of the world, to worship. 
to praise Him. Hallelujah is the word. You know, the only word the same in three languages, you know? Coca-Cola, Amen, and Hallelujah. Our Japanese Bible is Hallelujah here for praise the Lord. That's the, the Hebrew in the beginning and the end of this verse. But it also gives these great reasons in verse 2. This, his great love, his great faithfulness, this power to do these things, to worship and to call the nations to worship. Motivation to do that ourselves, for Waynesboro to worship, and that the nations would worship. We can, there's a chapter in the Bible you can memorize today. Want to try it right now? Take that down. Let's try it, okay? Uh, can you try to, I'll repeat after me. You can look at your, you can look, I guess, if you want. But where is it here? Okay. Okay, repeat after me. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Forever. Okay, who can? Praise the Lord. Okay, who can do it? You can do it in a day, that one. Even us old people, you know, we know the kids can do it in a day. What a great text, like Spurgeon said that contains so much. Let's think of verse 1 and verse 2, verse 1, this call to worship for us and all the peoples of the world. God made people to worship. In Japan, they're going to worship something. People here in Waynesburg are going to worship something. The call here is to worship the Lord, Yahweh, the true and living God. I looked up this morning in my strong concordance, praise in the psalm, the word praise, 122 times, 150 psalms. Probably the most word. This is so central to the Bible. Personal worship, you know, family worship, corporate worship, like we're doing here. My, my, dad, my dad is dying. He's 95. He's my, Carol and I traded a couple days ago. She went up with some of our kids, and I came back down. And uh, she's on hospice, morphine now. Just checking my text. I turned my phone off so I won't see that. Not sure when it'll be, but I'm so thankful for my dad. Seeing him as a kid waking up in the morning and, and seeing him personal worship, you know, meeting the Lord. What a he was a, a model for me. Just seeing him do that. There is something more central than us in life, even though our tendency is us, right? It's, we think it's about us. Think of family worship. I'm so thankful for my dad. Just, he, he did, a, as a kid, especially a teenager, I hated that we do. Come on, Dad, come on, do we have to do that? You know, but to open the Bible, he'd always say, do it short. If you do it too long, you won't do it, you know? But just to, to end the day, start the in us in this world to worship as we take a few minutes each day as families to, to, to worship the Lord, to make that central in our lives and, and corporate worship. Uh, one thing on family worship, we had a family reunion uh, a couple weeks ago to celebrate my 71st birthday, and, and, uh, and you know, the kids all, we, we had 41 of us there. We have, uh, like the bulletin says, a lot of grandkids, and, and, uh, and as, we, as we were tubing down rivers and whitewater rafting down rivers, and all the, the kids, have, that my kids have their own families, their own tradition now. We had five contiguous campsites but, uh, but still, 
I, I think I sinned the first night that we didn't have family worship like we always have. I kind of was not bold as a grandfather. And one of my, uh, my oldest son's wife came and said, Dad, why aren't we doing that? You know, I, I repented. And the next day, we had the most wonderful family. We want the kids, the grandkids. Use the trump card of being a grandpa. Now, you, know, you can do this that the kids would see. There's something bigger in this world than all this other stuff, right? There's only one thing that truly satisfies that we truly know. And corporate worship, this call from verse 1, praise the Lord, all nations, extol Him, all peoples. We're going to get to missions in a minute here, but, but we're part of that all nations. This call to us to gather. You go back just a couple verses to Psalm 116, verse, uh, right, just two verses back. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the house of the Lord. All through the Psalms, this, this call to in the great congregation, Psalm 34.3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. 18, I will thank you for yeah, personal worship family, but together. Psalm 35.18, I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng, I will praise you. In Japan, there's not this idea of corporate worship in Buddhism or Shintoism. So we really had to teach people. People would come to faith, and we'd have, and would talk about corporate worship, personal worship, how to grow as a Christian, etc. And, uh, and people just didn't, the, the idea of gathering you know, to, to worship weekly was so foreign. Maybe it's becoming foreign in America too, not something that let us exalt His name together. And I would... Uh, Say, there's something bigger to honor than, you know, than ourselves. And all this, uh, there was uh, this, this PowerPoint picture. This is a famous uh, town hall up in its northern Japan, Minami Sandiku. And this is how it looked uh, uh, this day 12 years ago. And this is how it looked a minute later, or, or several, I guess the tsunami took a while to hit. Later, but on the, you can show the next one. On the third floor, Miki Endo was a late, young lady in her 20s whose job was, if there's a tsunami, to go to the microphones and the speakers that are throughout this town where historically tsunamis are strong to give the call, everyone, go to the high ground, go to the high ground. And she was on the third floor doing that. Her job, her parents heard her voice is they ran Yakuba, the town hall. And Miki, her, her partner's on the third floor of the Yakuba, the town hall, saying, come to the, you know, she's saying, go to the high ground. This is the, the biggest tsunami. It's, you know, it's, you got to go. Go to the high ground. And her friends on the third floor saying, Miki, come to the roof. Come to the roof. And she's still on the phone. And her parents tell how they heard her voice stop as the tsunami hit and turned it in to that. And her body wasn't found till sometime later, far from that building. And I, I would use this as an illustration. Everyone for her town. And I would ask in baptism class, do you think everybody in that town who lived gathered for her funeral service some weeks later after they found her body? What do you all think? Did they do it just out of pure duty? What, 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 yeah, they did it. 
because she had given her life for them. And I said, how much more do we, you know, as Christians, we, as we get to the love of, of God in Christ in verse 2, but as we think of what Jesus has done for us, what do we do? I think of my grandfather. A bunch of my kids went up yesterday to be with my dad, to be with my dad, to be with their grandfather. What do we do? We're, you know, we're talking, how are we going to celebrate his life? We won't just do it on Zoom. Praise the Lord for Zoom and how that helps us when we're sick and a pandemic or whatever. But we are going to gather to celebrate his life. And that's what we're doing today, to remember his love, that he gave his life for us. But we see also here that, that it's for all the nations, all the peoples of the, of the earth to worship. Now, I was asked this past week to be your missions conference speaker uh, later, uh, I guess in April or something. Uh, but here's, it's right here, and it's all through the Bible, and it's all through the Psalms, that who is supposed to worship? Not just us, but all nations, all peoples. That sometimes people ask me, what was the most exciting thing you're 35 years in Japan? And, uh, you know, the first person who believed and came to Christ, seeing people who are going to commit suicide. Suicide is rampant in Japan. But through the gospel, the love of Christ, the church, to, uh, to not do that, to, to be become folks who know the joy of the Lord, to, you know, so many things in Japan were uh, exciting to see, seeing our, we worried going to Japan, will our kids who are going to college back here in Virginia, you know, how are they going to do, and God bless that time, and, you know, they bring their friends back on mission trips to Japan, so many things, but if I had to pick one event that was an event that was the most exciting thing, would be in the town. In the history of the world, as far as we know, that God was, like this verse, worshipped. People got, you know, we'd been working there two years. Finally, there was one Christian, then four Christians, then five Christians, and 30 non-Christians. We gathered to worship. I remember just thinking about this, and all through the Psalms, this let the nations be glad. You know, that this call we see in the Bible for, for all peoples of the earth to worship. And I put in your bulletin there, and the quotes that Essen asked for every week. Missions exist because worship doesn't. This is really the reform Reason for missions. Do we do, do we do missions and tell the gospel to people in Waynesboro and to, in Japan because we, they would go to heaven, know the joy of Jesus Christ, have a real purpose in life? Yes, all these reasons, but here's really maybe the reformed reason for mission, that they would worship, that they would know the true and living God and worship Him. Our, our catechism Question number one, chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we glorify God, as John Stott says, maybe the, the most uh, concrete way is we gather and we worship. And we do it personally, we do it in our families. Uh, my dad says we Presbyterians, I'm quoting my dad a lot today as I'm thinking a lot about his life and all I learned from him. He would often say, uh, man's chief end to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, like our catechism question number one. But we Presbyterians instead are often sitting on man's chief end, he would say. <laughs> instead of being engaged in this great endeavor that He, the Lord, would be worshipped and glorified in the whole earth. So many places in the world, no clue, no clue about the true and living God. Our house in Japan where we lived for many years, you know, 100 meters that way, Buddhist
hear the drum to wake up the gods. It was just so moving, usually having quiet time, early morning time. And to think of that, 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 that this drum beating to wake up the gods. You know, how many places in the world, how many folks in Waynesboro, you know, have no clue what we're doing today. I think we're wasting time together to remember the true and living God. The worst, thank you, worship team. What great hymns and songs today to tell about this. Our MTW church planting teams around the world, we might say, are really worship planting teams. To plant worship where God is not worshiped. So should we make people worship like the Taliban in Afghanistan? Should we make people worship? I remember hearing a story of some uh, missionary kids in Karuizawa, Japan, where we went to language school. And, and uh, they saw all the shrines and all the temples, and they snuck out, these missionary kids snuck out in the middle of the night, and they pushed over all the, uh, pushed over all the idols, you know. And, uh, and uh, my kids, older kids, came back to me and said, Dad, should we go do that? You know, we hate all this idol worship, right? And what do you all think? Is that a good way to evangelize Japan? What do you think, you know? And uh, I, think, I think of Acts 17, verse 16, when, uh, when Paul comes into the city filled with idols, and, and he, his, remember what happened? His heart is provoked within him as he sees the city. It's a very strong Greek word. His heart is hurting as he sees the city filled with idols. And what does he do? He goes and pushes them over. No. What does he do? He preaches the gospel. That's what we do. That's what we go and do. A young girl on our team, one of our like 70 young gap year kids, Jennifer Calvert from our home church up in Maryland, she came, did a gap year with us, worked in our little school, and, and one of the ladies in our church, a new Christian, took her to, to, uh, down to Kyoto to visit the big, beautiful shrines and temples that are down there. And, and she came back with Mrs. Iguchi. Mrs. Iguchi said, I'm on. Pastor Dan, I'm sorry, go men nasai, so Goku, night day shimaimashita. Jennifer just started crying as she went with me to see the first temple. Why do you think people offering incense to false gods and all these acts of worship? Jennifer is like Paul. She couldn't explain it, young 18 year old. She just knew this is really, really sad that all these folks are offering. Worship to these false gods. And yes, same here in Waynesburg. We think of our gods look a little different, but they're here. And we long for people to know God. And we, we, we beg the world to come and know the Lord. All peoples, all nations are to worship. This, there's this mission's implication is here. because How can they hear without a preacher? Yet I miss this. As a, I went to seminary, left the Marine Corps, went to seminary, and I was a missing S Christian, I say. My daddy discipled me, my grandfather discipled me, my grandfather wrote a hymn in our Trinity hymnal, one of our hymns, and I don't look at it now, please. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I had missed this. Now, maybe it's like my daughter Hannah in Richmond, she told my wife recently, uh, yeah, uh, mom, this great truth I learned from the Bible. My wife said, what do you mean? I taught you that so many times. You know? and that could be the case with me. But I do not remember my dad and grandfather. They taught me to love people. They, all peoples. Every tongue and tribe. The hymn we sang today. I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. That last word. Let every kindred and tribe. I bet I sang it. How many times as a kid growing up in a covenant family? A thousand times? And I miss those last two verses. This, this 
This, our glorifying Jesus is for the whole world to be a part of that. At seminary, the first, very early, they had a, I'm just going to go through these slides real fast, but Genesis 12, 3, you know, a, a, the, a preacher went through the whole Bible you know, in three days at a missions conference. And Carol and I were just so moved by this. And I started putting in my Bible in the next, uh, next slide. You can see it there. I can't see him on the back. Uh, you see the M up in the top left there? This is from the Bible I had during seminary. And this new revelation to me, and I started putting an M for missions, is all through the Bible, this every tongue. All people, not just people, peoples. I thought that was bad English, you know, peoples, all the people groups of the, of the world. Next one, please. You know, uh, Genesis 20, and, you all, and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Next one, please. Let Psalm 67, let the people, these are the kind of verses he went, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Next. Isaiah, for, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And lots of others. Just go, we'll zip through these real quick here. Yeah. Next. Matthew, New Testament, you know the Great Commission. Uh, make disciples of all nations. Next. Romans 15. John Piper says, Romans, we think it's a doctrinal book. But you go to the end, and it's really a missions letter. Send me to Spain to preach the gospel where Christ's name is not named. Let all the peoples excel. That's actually, Paul is quoting our text today. That's what that is. He's quoting Psalm 117 here. And he makes it his ambition to preach Christ. Songs today, look at the last name. Uh, those who have no news of him. And we sang those great songs today. Look at the last, uh, last slide here. Revelation 7, 9. You know, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's kind of what's on the front of our bulletin. That, uh, that picture, Essen he likes art, doesn't he? He told you, you got to get some piece of art. Well, he's the one who found it. <laughs> you know? but, yeah, but what's missing so well, he and I talked about this this past week as I was up in New Jersey back and forth getting ready for today, that, that around the throne were historic art. It's missing that the people who are around the throne worshiping are diverse. They're from every tongue and tribe, black, white, Indian, China, you know, from all of the world, because it's easy for us to miss that, as has happened throughout church history so often. Let's look at the motives we see in verse 2 here. These powerful motives, powerful motives to be a part of worshiping the Lord. Yeah, all of the Christian life, these two motives we see at the end here in, in, uh, in, in verse 2. All of the, 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 these two motives for all of the Christian life, for obeying Christ, for personal worship, for, for purity, for being sacrificial with our giving, all of these things are true. But we, we see here that they're just very strong motives. I put power in the outline there, but really motives, uh, uh, reasons that God gives us to worship Him, to obey Him, to care that the nations would worship, for us to live the Christian life, for us to obey the mission's implications. The first one here we see 
uh, for, well, I'll just read it again, verse 2. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. These two, the faithfulness and the love of God, the, the gracious mercy of God, the emmet and the hesed, kind of the agape word of the Old Testament, you know, over and over and over, and many other reasons, but these two are very, very strong. Let's look first at the, the second one. The veracity of God, the emmet of God, NASB, His truth, that you can absolutely count on Him to be faithful to His promises in sickness and death, in the problems of life. My dad would always, when he gathered us quickly to, about an airplane that had been given in 1945 in honor of his brother who was killed in World War II. Uh, their church... And some folks in the church gave an airplane to a missionary, a medical missionary in Africa, in the Congo. And this little plane, for years, saved lots of people. You know, transported missionaries would rescue people, save people. My dad gathered us in 1962 during the Congo uh, Civil War there. And, uh, and he said, kids, the little plane I've told you about, today it rescued more than 100 people over the last several days uh, who were stuck between the two sides of the Civil War. And it looked like they were going to be killed. My dad had told us before many times how he, was his brother, uh, when he got news, he was 17 when his brother was killed. And he doubted God, but he believed all things work together for good to those who loved God and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28, but it was hard. He was angry at God at first, but came to believe and trust that it was a bigger purpose. He said, you know, I've told you that story before. He died, but a hundred people lived. You know, God's providence, God's faithfulness. Through so Many times we see like that. Well, he became even more clear in 1972 when my brother dating up there today, arriving today to be with my dad, my brother Billy, and he and his, his wife Liz, she was a missionary kid in Africa, in the Congo, and she's telling him some of the hard things about being, being a missionary kid, separated from parents, all these things. He said, but the hardest was during the Civil War, and we could even hear the artillery at our little school were separated, and that little plane, you know, took four of us, you know, <laughs> Yes, they called Liz's parents. And the plane given in honor of my uncle rescued Liz when she was seven years old in the Congo. We believe in the sovereignty of God, everyone. The promises of God, the faithfulness of God. We sometimes see it like my dad saw it that day more clearly. But in heaven around the throne, we'll see more the sufferings of life, the struggles of life. He is faithful. And he's faithful to keep his promises and supply it to missions. This all nations, all tongues, every tribe. The pastor Otake, uh, one of the three pastors that called our team to come to Japan and work with them in, in the suburb of Tokyo when we found this town, Oyumino, town with no church of any kind, the history of the world. And he said at our little service to get started with our work there before not any Christians, he said, this is a great name for a town. Oh, you me know. Who will build this church? Oh, you me know. 
he said. In English, it's really a good... Now, he was speaking in Japanese, but he spoke English for that. Can you all say that? Oh, you, me, no. Who will build this church? Oh, you, me, no. Yeah, you can remember the name of our city there to, to pray for. And that, I really needed that because it was very, very hard. There were no, no Christians. We, were, we worked four years before the first person came here. It was the sixth year. We started worship, picture here. The first people baptized, and that church here is some years later. And you can remember, oh, you, me, no, up there. Yeah, and pray for that, for that church there. And the Mirabellas are there in the same area working. And lots of challenges, lots of blessing, lots of challenges. You can take that down. But yeah, the first year's no fruit. It was so hard. It was so slow. But I remember all these promises of God. I I'd read the missionary biography. Soak your heart in the promises of God. That Jesus will build His church. The gates of hell will not prevail against Him. Remember, we started, the way we started... We started a little English school. No Christians. Five people came. I was the English teacher. The rest of our team wasn't there yet. Christians coming to our English school. And, uh, and we'd have, you know, study English, and then we'd have Bible time. Study the world's bestseller we, is the way we explained it, you know. And, uh, and these five ladies, after the first English class, the first day we started in our, in Oyumino, at a little apartment we rented, and they said, uh, Mr. Iverson, why did you come to Oyumino? And I said, well, I'm a missionary. It's okay in Japan. Going to start a church. They said, a church? Oh, you mean a church like this? They made the sign of a cross, you know. I said, yeah, yeah, a church. And I said, well, there's no church in Oyumino. I went, yeah, that's why we're here, you know. And I said, well, do you have Christians for your church? And I, I said, uh, no, no. Uh, there are no Christians. We've been here four months and haven't found any Christians. And, uh, and Japanese people are the most polite people in the world. But it was kind of like they said this to me. It wasn't exactly these words. This was, this was the nuance. You stupid gaijin, which means alien, foreigner. You stupid gaijin. How are you going to start a church if there are no Christians? I wonder who was praying for us that day. We were still very discouraged. It was very hard. But in that moment, as they asked me that, I told them, oh, there, there will be a church here someday. I, I remembered those promises. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The Genesis 22, 18, where God swears by his own name that the nations will come and be worked. Would you pray for your missionaries? Pray for your pastors here. We pray. We believe the promises are true. God is faithful to his promises. Uh, some Sometimes people say, but Dan, it seems like we're losing, you know, the, the, the decline of the church. You've got to take a long view. My, my same uncle I told you about was in the Battle of Midway, won the Navy Cross in the Battle of Midway, and uh, he, he thought they were losing. All his buddies shot down and, and killed and in the water, and he had more than 200 bullet holes in his plane as he landed uh, back at Midway Island. He'd lived through that battle, and uh, his plane is in the Pensacola Air Museum down in... Uh, in uh, Pensacola, Florida, and he, and that, that plane he flew that day. But, you know, we don't see in a world the, 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 the scope of history as Jesus builds his church around the world way more than 30 years ago, the worshipers of Christ around the world. Way, way more than 100 years ago. Jesus is faithful. He will build his church. The faithfulness of God gives us power and strength for our our daily life for missions here in Waynesboro and for the whole world. And the second motive here 
we see in this verse, His loving kindness, His love and grace is so great. His great steadfast love for us. And we in Christ see even more how this love of Christ is so powerful. The, Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, the love of God in Christ for me, the breadth, the length, the height, and depth. Jesus came for me. He died on the cross for me. He loves me. As Paul said, the, the end of his life, the longer I live, I'm 71, the more I see my sin. My failure is thinking these days as a son to my father, as a father to my children, as a prayer warrior for my kids and, and my grandkids. That, uh, you know, I said the greatest event, say, that first worship service. But I would say the greatest thing was coming to see more of my sin and more of the great love of Christ for sinners coming to more to know more of his steadfast love for me that like my dad who's may die today that he he's, as he says you know i have a hope that is not my own i have a righteousness that is not my own not my righteousness but the perfect righteousness of jesus christ for us maybe today to remember that for those maybe who don't believe that today to believe and trust in him but for all, man, my family idolatry, ministry idolatry, how yeah, I told our home church the first time we went home uh, to report from Japan, I had a mistress in Japan. Everyone looked and got all worried and said it was ministry. It was the overwork of, of doing the work. And they kind of took a sigh of relief. Why should they take a sigh of relief? That, you know, the, the idols that we go after are idols and, and substitutes for worshiping Christ, seeing in our marriage, praise the Lord for Carol. But you see how in our marriage all those years, the pressure, the struggle, maybe I told you before, it's like, uh, as learned from one pastor, it's like marriage is like putting miracle grow on your sin. You know, <laughs> it comes out in selfishness, right? Am I the only one who has experienced that? I think not. You don't have to raise your hand, everyone. Yeah. But we see it come out, how much we need Jesus <laughs> and this great love, which is more powerful than our sin. The love of Christ constrains us, compels us. 2 Corinthians 5. I love this. And I didn't see this until the last few years, if you could show. So, you know, we, we all know verse 17. And I mentioned this when I preached here a year ago, but it really goes with this, with this text. I'm going to use it again. We know we're, if we're in Christ, we're new. The old things have passed away. And then it's a missional statement. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. But go back to the motive of verse 14, right before these verses. Look at verse 14. Go back. One more. For the love of Christ constrains us, or controls us, or compels us. Those three C's. There's this powerful love of Christ for the Christian life, that we as one, again, why we personal worship, family worship, this also for us. I would tell folks, new to worship, this idea of weekly worship, of being in a cell group, that, that, that just try this. Tell me, come back and tell me. As you, I don't feel like going to worship, don't feel like going to cell group, but I, but I go, I say eight, eight out of 10 times, whoa, I am glad I went. 
I came to see my sin. I came to see the love of Christ. Right? Maybe today for you, you know, that so often that, that we, we need to soak our hearts in the objective truth of the love of Christ and what he has done. And this story, the same son, Danny, our oldest son, who had the baseball story, he, uh, in high school, he got in trouble at the school he was going to. He, uh, my wife called me and said, Dan, Danny got kicked out of school for three days. And I said, oh, I'm sad in my heart. As soon as I heard that, I was thinking my own pride, my own, I'm a missionary in my my son got kicked out. I was thinking of myself a little bit there, but my, my, the, the Lord uh, worked him. I said, let me talk to him. I said, Danny, what did you do? He said, Dad, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I messed up bad. Could I tell you when you get home? And I said, no, tell me now. What did you do? He said, Dad, please let me tell you when, when I get home and, and uh, when you get home. And I, I, was, I said, okay, I'm going to hop on the train. Be home soon. And as I was getting ready, to hang the phone up, I remembered my dad. And when I had messed up as a teenager, and my dad telling me, same name, Danny, I love you, and whatever you do can't change my love for you. And I remember how powerful, this is powerful, the love, love is powerful. Now my dad's love wasn't perfect for me, my love for Danny is not perfect. Our love, you hear that story, we have different parents, we, you know, some who loved us, some who did not. We're, we're quite a spectrum here, but we're here today. We all know the love of our Heavenly Father in Christ. <laughs> love how great the Father's love for us, living the Christian life today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the power of your love. Thank you that that day, that uh, a couple weeks later, uh, Danny came to me and said, Dad, thank you for telling me on the phone you love me. That was powerful in my life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you for your love, for your faithfulness, for this call to be a part of you being worshipped by us here in Waynesboro, Virginia, and around the whole world. Bless your name, in Jesus' name.